welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 337. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to discuss Lower Decks Season 4 episodes, In the Cradle of Vexalon and Something Borrowed, Something Green. Here we go. In the Cradle of Vexalon, Season 4, Episode 3, original release date, September 14th, 2023. Directed by Brandon Williams, written by Ben Waller. Guest cast include Phil Lamar as Big Merp and Dirk, Oscar Montoya as Vexalon, Charlotte Nicado as Meredith, Gabriel Ruiz as Talyn, and Paul Shear as Andy Billups. <laughs> Cerritos visits Corzonia, an idyllic space habitat controlled by Vexalon, an ancient computer system whose performance is deteriorating. Friedman attempts to repair Vexalon and causes it to shut down, creating chaos in Corzonia's ecosystem. Meanwhile, Boimler is leading his first away mission to upgrade a power plant. He struggles to trust his subordinates and insists on doing all the work himself. Whew, this is it. Your first away mission as a commander. No big deal. You've got this. You are boss, Boimler. And you're going to nail... Lieutenant Boimler. What? I mean, hi. I mean, uh, yes, Talyn? Your team is waiting. Have you completed your confidence-boosting ritual? Oh, that's not what I was doing. I was just, uh, running a last-minute check of supplies. Has everyone tested their comms? Boimler, Boimler. to Talyn. Yeah! yeah! All equipment is in adequate condition to accomplish our errand. It's not an errand, it's a mission. My first mission as commander. It's pretty cool, right? Adam, kick us off on In the Cradle of Vexalon. Vexalon. So this is a little play on, you know, things that we've seen multiple times throughout Star Trek. And even in um, Lower Decks, where you have the evil overlord um ai computer sometimes it's a robot sometimes it's just a big computer console in most cases it's evil and it's, it's diabolical but in this case i kind of turned it on its head vexalon here is just he's a very nice overlord he's very personable he um he chats chats it up um you know he's, he's a very likable guy so they kind of throw that on its head and they kind of turn that to the opposite so in in this case it's the humans that are are messing it up with um freeman trying to repair it and it's just an old system and you know they used a lot of you know uh, update systems and old old techie language to kind of fix this fix this um system for this planet so it's a fun story. And then obviously, you know, you got Boimler doing his thing in his first first away mission. You know, it's kind of he's very uptight and he doesn't want any of his um any of his people, his ensigns, to get killed or hurt. So he's he's taking up this whole thing upon himself. Um and on what is on the Cerritos, we have the whole computer chip thing going on, them being hazed. So that's kind of like so you have the a story kind of mixed in with a B story there, and then there's kind of a C story going on on the Cerritos. But did you like it? I did. I did. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite episode. It's solid. Yeah, I liked it. You know, what I do like is how they kind of mixed up uh, personnel a little bit more than usual. We always talk about the pairings, the two and two and this kind of thing. In this case, we have the, you know, Boimler is in one place and the other three are somewhere else doing something else. It's a little different. You know, Boimler is getting some new experience and with, you know, an away mission, that kind of thing. And down on the same planet, another place, you've got mostly the command crew. And then all this going on with that whole hazing ritual and that bizarre chip business with with uh, Mariner and the other two going on. So I do like how they kind of mixed up personnel. It keeps it fresh a little bit. They kind of broke the mold with the the two and two thing like they usually do funniest bit for me in this episode when mariner is uh 
talking to I don't remember his name. The she's trying to buy them some time <laughs> and listening to him talk about music and stuff. And then, and she turns and tells them to go fix it. But the, like the look on her face, like the animation and the way she said, "Go fix it." <laughs> it made me it literally made me laugh out loud. It's very funny. Neither of you mentioned all the crazy amounts of like nostalgia e references to not just other episodes. I mean, other series, multiple series. Yeah, the DS9, the Wadi game. You had the Betazoid gift box. <laughs> there was a. I mean, it, honestly, it was a pretty. It was pretty dark. That inner light reference. I was like, holy shite! That. <laughs> What is it? was like, what? Where am I? Was that an entire simulated life? <laughs> God, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, barring that reference, of course, to a great episode, it is fun how that's something that that Lower Decks does a lot is is take nuggets from not so great episodes and and bring them back and and recycle them into something interesting and memorable and fun. You know? Yeah, the DS Nine episode. Well. Nobody, nobody likes it. It's the worst episode yeah, yeah, of the yeah. show. But I forget that that episode of Next Gen with the Betazoid box, that's early. Is that first season? I think so. Yeah, yeah that episode's so. pretty terrible, too. I yeah. forget about that one. <laughs> but they made the box very amusing. What is it? He picked up on a bunch of curse words. Yeah, they said the doctor must have been in there. They had some line about that. You know, we get some, we get some normal character stuff. We get Boimler leading his first away mission. You know, he's changed and improved character by the end. Got some more Talyn in here. She's kind of a newer character. Well, she She's has nice. my second favorite line of the episode. Everything that has ever occurred is science stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's only logical. One of the, the themes that, that continues throughout this series, you know, in Lower Decks is kind of workplace culture in a way and, and, and just that kind of whole dynamic. And what Boimler's dealing with and trying to, you know, get the work done, you know, and and uh, show them what needs to happen, but having trouble with that whole handing it off to someone else to do, and it's they take it to extremes. But I do like that 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 um, that kind of that kind of theme does continue throughout this whole series. You know, it's like you're reminded of things in the office or however you want to put it that 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 go on. You know, and this is a good example of it. That's a, that's a good point in that I know it's been a while, but we, we used to talk about that. I mean, that's that's a little bit of what the original series was, but that's definitely what Next Gen was more than any of the other shows. DS9, to a pretty significant extent, was still that office drama, workplace drama. But yeah, that, I guess that is one of the reasons that this show feels familiar in a good way. Yeah. Right. And... and you know, obviously given the, the title of the series, they do touch on aspects of workplace dynamics that are not so at the top, you know, they're, they're more of the nitty gritty down to getting the work done and so on, you know? And so I, I like, they, they stick to that and come back to it ever so often. I like the end of this too, with Boimler dying and, you know, they bring him back, Hey, your first death, and, you know, and he dies again. What did I, she's like, what the F did I use to revive him? Was, was that supposed to be like a Twin Peaks reference that room he's in? It had the the koala, which is a lower decks thing. But other than the koala, I'm pretty sure that was a Twin Peaks reference. It's been so long since I've seen Twin Peaks, you would know more than me. What is this episode about? Um, it's how, what I got from it is 
not it's not only about learning responsibility, but it's also about handling responsibility. We see that with with Boimler. He's you know he's a lieutenant grade now, and he's having to take on responsibility for for people that are lower than him, you know, or, or lower ranks than him, and that's it's an adjustment for him. And you also see that on the ship, you know, they're being hazed. Um, and that's a kind of a rite of passage to, you know, um, becoming more responsible and, and, and learning and growing. Um, how the computer on the planet ties into that. Um, I'll let Steve. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not sure about how that computer ties in, but I do, I do agree that it seems to be mostly focused on this whole notion of navigating uh status change in life and in the, in the workplace right i mean they're the, the the hazing ritual going on on the ship you have uh boimler learning how to lead people learning how to delegate a kind of you know at least learning what it's about and uh so i i think that's the focus of this episode is is the notion of transitioning from transitioning through class structure changes in an organization you know in a way Cool, let's do Six Degrees. Adam, you started, right? Correct. Name the DS9 episode that featured that Wadi game. <laughs> no clue. Is it Move Along Home? Move Along Home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm, a classic, for sure. <laughs> classic stinkers. The other one from the first season that I'll always remember as being literally... Not quite figuratively <laughs> unwatchable was um, if wishes were horses. Mm-hmm. Oh, moving along home is worse though. So I know somewhere in way back in the you know when we were just two digits into this podcast episodes, we probably did our most favorite episodes, the ones that we thought we liked the most. Have we ever done um, the worst stinkers, like the ten worst? I I just gotta assume that we have, but as people <laughs> that occasionally write into us. Remind me that they like our show because we don't bash Star Trek very much. <laughs> um, which, you know, maybe people don't say that after the end of Voyager and DS9. No, people still say it. So. Um, but yeah, maybe we never did since we don't bash. But Yeah, that'd be a painful going back to like, which ones did I not like again? You kind of tend to just push them out of your memory. And it's not until you like see the first 30 seconds of the episode, whether it's on TV or flipping through streamings, they're like, oh, crap, I know how to like it. Well, it's not that hard to just pick a random episode from the first season of Next Gen. Right. Or (laughs) several of the episodes, you know, from first season of DS9. It had a better, no, but that had, they had um, Duet and and, um, Emissary. Those were good. Anyway. uh, All right. Steve has one. Moving on. Something Borrowed, Something Green, Season 4, Episode 4. Original release date, September 21st, 2023. Directed by Bob Suarez, written by Grace Para Jani. Guest cast include Eric Bauza as Kogar, Kamona Giannis G, Vanessa Marshall as Deborah, Nolan North as Bert, Tindy, uh, Gabrielle Ruiz as Talin, Lauren Tom as Shauna Tindy, Carl Walgren as Cosmic, and Lacar, Deborah Wilson as Zoto, and Ariel Winter as Derica Tindy. After an Orion supply ship is assaulted by the same unknown vessel from previous episodes, Starfleet persuades the reluctant Lieutenant Tendi into attending her sister's, Dierica's, wedding to demonstrate interstellar goodwill. 
Mariner and Talin accompany her to Orion, where Tindy family is one of the most rich, powerful, and feared on the planet. Pretty nice hump dungeon. I think they have one of these in New Seattle. These are pretty common on Orion. The males appear to be under some sort of chemical manipulation, perhaps controlled by pheromones. Don't blog that! Yeah, Tendi's made it clear that Starfleet made those pheromones up. I mean, they had to explain why a captain would get taken out by some Orion showgirls. Oh, yeah, that's the stuff. Blast me with more moans! Huh. Uh, technically, I said that not all Orions control men with pheromones. Some of us definitely do, just not me. <laughs> Steve, kick us off on something borrowed, something green. Yeah, you know, what I like about this is that not only is it uh, juggling a lot of different uh, storylines and whatnot, like Lower Decks is so good at doing, but it also is, um, you know, we're, we're learning the background on a major character, and we get nostalgic, fun silliness that you know is going to car- keep carrying into the series. So, like, you know, we, we learn about Tendi, perhaps we know the least about her. We also gain some knowledge into... Um, Orion culture, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, the one of the, the oldest aliens, you know, in, in Star Trek that, you know, we know so little about. But we also get this crazy stuff with, we get the Chalnoth, a one-shot thing from a next-gen episode, you know, coming back and, and all that crazy stuff with the bonsai and whatnot. And then this this Twain stuff on the holodeck, which is so <laughs> absurd and fun <laughs> that you know, and they're just, and they're just and you know, it, yes, it's a it's a kind of a kind of a two two thing again because we have uh, Rutherford and uh, then we, but we do get uh, Tindy and Mariner together along with the uh, the new the new Tillian and whatnot. Yes, so yeah, I think I think this is fun. We get we we you know we get all all the things you know, and they 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 managed to compact it all into this 20 some minutes and uh there are a lot of fun moments and and advancing character history and drama and whatnot yeah i like this i enjoyed this one more than the other one today the other one was fine this one was this one was funny and fun and i think this is the first time is am i forgetting something but is this the first time we've actually been to the orion homeworld i think so i think it is pretty sure so some cool star trek canon stuff and Obviously, learning way more about the uh, Ryan culture, but you know, funny and fun, and it moves really well. And yeah, the funniest stuff with the the, the Mark Twain stuff, which is so absurd, it almost it almost doesn't even make sense. It's like what's going on, but it's it's really funny, and I loved it when they like you know suggest it be used to find a solution with this alien race. It completely doesn't work, and if, obviously, of course, it doesn't work. Right. In any way. It's so stupid. He, but he's from South Chalnoff, so, you know, so, right. there's a connection. <laughs> uh, uh, Adam, your first thoughts here? Yeah, I agree, pretty much agree with everything you guys have said. I mean, the Orion stuff was, was really cool. I mean, you know, I was thinking about that. I mean, most of what we've gotten from the Orions throughout all of Star Trek is they're uh, kind of a crime syndicate, pirating kind of species and it was really cool to kind of see the um societal structure that they have on the planet that's not enterprise gave us the pheromones thing right that was enterprise right. and, yeah, the, okay, and, okay. The, and the notion of female dominance in dominance. The society yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay i'm sorry continue yeah so i mean it was cool to just to kind of see the societal you know hierarchy that goes on there i mean it has a lot in common with some other species that we've that we've seen on trek but obviously um yeah what you're saying it is um 
a female dominated world. Um, so yeah, that was really cool to see. And, you know, the obvious intricacies of Tendi's family and why she doesn't want to be there. Her, you know, her science is her passion and she wants to, to be a scientist. She wants to explore and do that kind of thing. She doesn't want to be, um, the head of the, the crime family, but it is, it, it's, it's one of these things that, um, um, Lower Decks does really well. It throws things on its head. I mean, you know, if if we go back to the beginning of this series, would we we see Tindy? Would we see Tindy as this character, where she's you know revered? Everybody knows who she is. You know, she's you know basically the princess of this planet. So um, it's kind of you wouldn't have thought that going into this series, um, or even before they kind of started doing these things. So that was a lot of fun. I I can't stop laughing about the Mark Twain stuff. I mean, I agree. It's so ridiculous. The second time when they did it, I'm like, come on. I mean, this is a little, this is too much, but it, it's so ridiculous. It works. Um, and that's, and you know, lower decks, I, I asked myself, would, would this have worked in the first season? I kind of think yes, but I mean, you know, this is the thing that they can even get more ludicrous just because this is lower decks. This is what's expected. And they can push these boundaries of, of, um, of, these boundaries of this insanity and, and get away with it. And it actually works. So I, I love the Twain stuff. It, it's, it was so much fun. It would have been funny if just one of them was Twain, but that's, yeah. they're both Twain. I mean, that's, that's the geniusy thing. But that's yeah. the thing of like, no, another show wasn't going to do that. You know? Um, I love that Freeman, Freeman actually was in full. They were both in full yeah. costume. The yeah. second time around was what's the insanity of it is. There was a moment early in this episode where Talyn and Mariner are trying to talk Tendi into letting them accompany her to Orion for this wedding. And I don't know, this, their, their relationship, their camaraderie, I, it was just a moment where I just thought, yeah, this is this is my favorite of the new Trek shows. And this is the kind of, this is the, this is why. And it still feels weird. It never sits, it never sits naturally with me to say that. Because I like animation as much as, as much as the next guy, but it's not, it's hard for me to just accept it. You know, if, if the way that I love Star Trek is that it's this real living, breathing universe, it's not easy to accept animation as that reality because it doesn't look anything like anybody's reality. I mean, it, you know, and yet I'm, I'm forced <laughs> to, to uh, accept and that this is my favorite of the new Treks. Even though I, it's only when I think about it, you know, it's just it's never where I go naturally, but it's good. It's always so damn good. Well, not only do they always have something to say, but they, as we've said before, this show does what it sets out to do better than anything else. And it's consistent with what we enjoy about Star Trek, or at least what I enjoy about Star Trek. And that is you have, like you said, a universe where you have, you have canon, you have, uh, you know, establishing like things we're talking about, the Orion homeworld, these kinds of notions of, of enriching the canon, yet it's still human interaction at the core and things that we're, we understand and see every day that make it real and, you know, grounded. I think, I think that's why it does. It's so good. And, and the writing, I mean, you would have asked us years ago, hey, do you think a whole series, Star Trek series, as a comedy would work? You asked each of us five, you know, five years ago before this series came out, would, honest opinion, would you think a Star Trek series that is a comical series, would it work? And that's the genius of these guys is because they do make it work. They're able to use comedy and and like what you said steve um have build characters and have something to say um it's and so brian it is the best show because it's oddly enough it's the most unique 
of the new Star Trek shows. I said I would think it's I'm to me it's the most unique Star Trek show since Deep Space Nine, which we were talking about before. So because it's it's so clever in how it portrays um the Star Trek message through comedy. Well, I'm definitely never gonna watch Time Zero again without picturing there being two Mark Twins in those in those scenes. I also one of the funniest things I thought was the uh, Chalnoth and the Bonsai thing and how it, it's just these little subtle things in the writing and how quickly it goes. Like when he, he munches that thing down and then he's like, I'm, I'm thirsty for mist. It's like he's like thirsty for water. He's thirsty for mist, the things that they've been referencing the whole time. That's what makes it so funny. It's just, it's just so obnoxious and funny. Remind me what the Chalnoth episode was. Where did that Chalnoth come from? Oh, yeah. So what's the deal? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was, um, it was in Wesley had had uh the to test. pass some tests the test. and, yep. it, and it yep. was the angry species it was yep. it was something about it it was this particular aspect of that species that he had to adapt to and understand to pass it or something i remember that now totally. oh that was the the starfleet tests yeah right just for a split second i thought it was a nausican like no no no, that's not a nausican but it looks a little bit like a nausican a little bit but yeah i remember that now okay just a re- distant relation kind of like the mm-hmm. balkans and Romulans. Well, let us tickle the ivories by talking about what this episode is about. So when I was thinking about it, this episode's saying it's saying to to me it's saying two things, but they relate. So with Tendi, you know, she's a person that is um, trying to follow her heart and she goes to Starfleet and she wants to be the person that she is on the Cerritos. And when she goes back home, she has to, you know, face who she was, where she came from, who she is, and um, how she got to where she is. So it's just kind of, to me, it's kind of like coming to terms with who you are and where you came from. Um, On the Cerritos, to me, it's kind of different because they're pretending to be other people to figure out their differences to get along. And and that's kind of what what I got of it. So they're it's kind of doing two things in the opposite way. So that's what I kind of found out that that's kind of the genius of this episode. And it's it, it and how it's trying to say something, you know, like I said, the Mark Twain stuff as ridiculous as it is, as it is it's to me, it was more about, you know, getting out of yourself, getting out of who you normally think you are to um, come together with other people. And so that's what I kind of took from this episode. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's like, it's like the notion of, um, playing with identity and recognizing all of the the different selves that make us up and how there's not one valid identity you know you have all these aspects to your identity you 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 can if you embrace all of that and recognize it you can use it to your advantage you don't have to like disavow your past you don't have to ignore these things and then it can and then and then with the with the twain stuff it's just it's absurd but it goes into this play acting and like let's let's try this from a completely different angle you know and this kind of stuff so i i i think it's i think it's about that it's embracing all these different notions of self and identity and your history and your experience to come up with new solutions and new ideas and to kind of complete the picture right and like i said as ridiculous as the twain stuff was you could see that they're trying to say something there Mm -hmm. with it and that's uh, it's, it's phenomenal to me yeah all right, let's do six degrees for something borrowed, something green. Deborah Wilson plays Zooto, one of the Orions on the ship at the beginning of the episode. Uh, she voiced Captain Lisa Cusack uh, 
in the DS9 episode, the sound of her voice. That's probably her most memorable role, but she also played a security officer in the video for Star Trek The Experience. Name that ride, adventure, whatever. I'll give you the first words so we know what we're talking about. Klingon. Is this my question? Yeah, sorry, or, Steve. Or no, that's cool. But Klingon Encounter? Yep, Klingon Encounter. Nice. That's right. I remember Deborah Wilson because when I lived in Sherman Oaks, I ran into her at the post. I live three blocks from the post office. This is back when you went to the post office a lot. I ran into her at the post office, I swear to God, every single time I went. Hmm, funny. Yeah, because she was on Mad TV. And I recognized her from Mad TV, and she was always very, very nice to everybody. <laughs> There's a show people don't seem to remember, Mad TV. Is that even on like a streaming service or anything? Not sure. Probably on YouTube. That show lasted for many, many years. Remember, they're the ones who had the... <laughs> when Apple announced the name of the iPad 12 years ago or whatever that was, it was so silly. Immediately, everybody referenced the skit that they had done on Mad TV where they had iPad, but it was a feminine hygiene product. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody remembers this but me. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Steve takes it for the day. Yeah, so you reminded me, Steve, there was some news worth mentioning. Present us with the news. Steve's breaking news. Okay, so are we going to speak of the... Which item that we spoke Well, the sad, there's, there was some sad news. Yeah, Gary Graham passed away. So uh, an actor known for a variety of roles in our universe, mostly known for uh, Enterprise, uh, Star Trek Enterprise, uh, and his role as the prominent Vulcan in that series, and, and, and in a number of other roles. What was his? Saval, was that his character? Name? That's right. Yep. That's Saval. Saval. Yep. yep. Yeah, he was in a lot. He was in that show start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He was great. He was so good in that. Mm-hmm. So I'm at you know conventions over the years. He was always really nice to everybody that came up to him. So it was really cool. And then yes, there was movie news, which I'm always I'm always the the, the skeptic on our podcast here that I'm always like, call me when the cameras are rolling because before that I just I'm not going to get excited. I just don't believe it. it's ever going to happen. I will point out, but I'll let Steve say the news here in a second. But I will I will point out that I did thought about this the other day. And I do believe this is the longest we've ever gone between movies. And they haven't even started shooting the next one. So it's going to be a hell of a lot longer, right? Right, right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the longest we've ever been between two Star Trek movies. When was the last one? 17 or 18? 16. Because it, it was the anniversary. It's the 50th wow. anniversary Star Trek Beyond came out. So it's been eight years, huh? Yep. And they haven't even started the next one. Because the longest before this was... Uh, yeah. Nemesis to JJ, which was six or seven years. Seven. Yeah, sounds right. I think. That, yep, that's right. So this is the longest ever. But Steve, present us with the news. Yeah. So this was a couple of weeks ago, I believe. But they they had um, Todd Toby Haynes is is slated to direct a new film. What they're talking about it is that it's under the J.J. Abrams Bad Robot, but it's supposed to be in some fashion a prequel to the 2009 Star Trek film and its subsequent sequels. 
don't know exactly how that works um but that's basically all the, all there is on that right now the, the as far as the news goes so uh, we'll see. We've, I think we've probably seen movies get as far as directors and writers and so on before uh, without going anywhere. But that was announced back on January 10th, 24. Cool. So, yep. Call me when, call me when they're making the movie and uh, maybe I'll pay attention. I'm not even sure I'd be excited to see that movie. All right. Well, we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Lower Deck's fourth season. Until then, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending a half an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.